Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. For more details, check out faithcc.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message. All right, who's ready for the word tonight? Fantastic. Come on, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, I thank you that tonight that you want to speak to us. God, I thank you that your mercy is anew every morning. I thank you, God, that every time we open up your word, God, there is something fresh and there is something powerful. I thank you that tonight that you're going to drop seeds of breakthrough in our lives right now. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that in this meeting, God, even though this building is the same and the chairs are the same, Lord God, you have got something different for us today. And Lord Jesus, we open up our hearts to you in your wonderful name. Amen. So I want to talk to you tonight on the resistances to breakthrough. The resistances to breakthrough, the hindrances to breakthrough. You know, often when you want breakthrough in your life, I don't know about you, but often when I'm wanting to go for certain things, it's often not one hindrance, but it's many hindrances. Come on. It's not often one break, not one resistance, but it's often a number of things that you have to push through in order to get the thing that God has got for your life. And it's not often a lack of desire or lack of passion. If you want a quantum leap in some areas of your life that you don't believe are working at the moment, then many times it's your ability to consistently push through many different blockages. You know, there are many different examples of this in the Word of God. You know, the psalmist David writes in Psalm 3 verse 1 to 3, he says, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God, you will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are the shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. You know that word many in the Hebrew means abundant. In other words, there are always abundant reasons why you should not break through. There's always abundant ideas of why you should just maintain the status quo in your life. There's always an abundance of situations that don't fall into line in order for you to push to the next level. Who knows that it's never, ever the right opportunity for you to go to the next level, right? And often we understand this idea that there's always an abundance of resistances and blockages that are often challenging us just to stay where we are. You know, when I was first called to the ministry, there was an abundance of people that said, you are stupid, you're doing the wrong thing. I mean, when we first got the call to Melbourne, there was abundant people that gathered around us and said, you know what, we just think that this is a bad idea. You know, where you are right now, right, you are doing really well, why would you want to uproot and leave? But I sensed in my heart that there was another level for my life. I knew that God had something more for me and my family. And often in our own lives, It's not just one resistance, but it's continual resistance that often stop us from actually breaking through. This passage in 1 Samuel, I believe it is a lesson here of breaking through multiple resistances in order to reach a new level. Let me say this, in your walk with God, God is always wanting you and I to reach new levels. Don't ever, ever stay the same. Don't ever say, you know what, my Christianity is the same. It's the same this year, last year, the year before that. You know what, our God is always the same, but His his impartation in our lives is always something new. You can't say that you have reached the pinnacle of your Christian faith. Come on. You can't say that you've reached the pinnacle of your revelation of God. There is always more of God to discover. There is always more of God to actually give you a revelation in your own heart. 
And so you and I, we need to live with this mentality that we are always wanting to go to new levels. This passage in 1 Samuel talks about how to deal with multiple resistances. And it's the story of David and Goliath. I'm going to read some sections of it. I think what happens before the actual encounter is often more important than the encounter itself. It says this in 1 Samuel 17, verse 8 to 11. It says, Now Goliath stood up and he shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if, if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day, this day, I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing these Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Listen, on hearing these Philistines' words, all Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. You know, what was interesting, they hadn't even started yet and they were already defeated. They haven't even had a go. They didn't even put their toe in the water. They hadn't even taken a risk yet and crossed over the line. Just the very mere words of Goliath was enough for them to capitulate and say, we're done, it's over. Think about it, there's no action, there's no result, there's nothing happening, but they all filled with fear. It was actually a brilliant strategy from the enemy to take them out even before it had begun. The enemy wants to take you out even before the battle begins. He wants to rip you of your courage, he wants to rip you of your stamina. He wants to get in there and take away this sense that God is with you. If he can get you even before the battle has even started, he is already on the winning foot in your life. You know, most people, when it comes to breakthrough, they actually live in this place, right? They give up. They accept their current situation. They accept the circumstances that they're currently living with right now. You know, the enemy of your soul, the enemy of your health, the enemy of your spiritual desire often comes even before anything has happened and said, it is useless, you might as well give up. I was reading a story the other day about Michael Schumacher when, you know, he was in the Formula One Grand Prix and I was reading about how he used to play mind games with his competitors and, you know, he would start from morning till night and, you know, between races they would often talk and he would just mess with their heads. He wanted to get in their head just so he could take away their leading edge. And I want to show you out of this passage how you and I actually don't need to live there. How you and I, if we can have the right mentality, if we can have the right faith, even before we go into a battle, I believe we have a much better chance of success to go to new levels that God has actually got for our lives. And this picture of a rocket kind of blasting off uh, into the atmosphere, you know, you would know this, there's different stages of a rocket by the time it gets into space. And they often say that the, the thing that requires the most fuel is actually getting off the ground. That's where the resistance is. That's where the gravity is the strongest. But the higher you get, the less resistance there is, the less weight of fuel tanks now being empty until you hit space. Think about the levels that God wants you and I to break through this year, each stage pushing through to the next. God has got new breakthroughs for you and I. He's got new levels, right? new seasons for you to grow and prosper. You know, I, I honestly believe that if you say your Christianity is boring, it's because you're making it boring. If you say God is doing nothing, it's because you're not leaning in too hard to the Lord. Right? 
You need to shift your focus. What I've realized in life is if you want a significant shift, if you want a significant shift, then it's going to require more than breaking through one resistance. It's going to require more than breaking through one difficulty. It's going to require more than actually breaking through one scenario. I remember growing up, I was very shy, and, you know, I used to, uh, you know, um, came out of school, and I knew God had a call of God upon my life, but I wasn't communicating properly and, you know, didn't really know how to connect with people. And so the Lord started to speak to me. And I got out of high school and after I did Bible college and, you know, he said, listen, you need to get a job. And so I went and got a job in sales. I thought, you know what, if I can learn how to communicate with people, it's going to be effective. I've got to say this, I applied for so many jobs and everyone rejected me, right? It wasn't like I got the first job, it was the most amazing job. I was earning a million dollars a year, it was just perfect. I mean, after about the 50th or 60th rejection, I kept going after these things, left, right and centre. I had bosses tell me, you were never meant for sales, you were never meant to work with people, you were meant to work with things and not people. You're a things person, not a people's person. <laughs> the amount of times I heard that, and, and yet you get to the end of it before I went to the ministry and became one of the top salesmen in one of the companies that I was working at, and I realised... Many times in life, it's not just one resistance that you've got to break through. You've got to go after that thing again and again and again and again and again and again. You and I often just stop too quickly. We often give up too quickly. So I want us to look at this passage from a different angle tonight. We need to see Goliath's dialogue as a strategy to take Israel out. We understand the dialogue of the enemy. Right? We can understand what we need to do in order to combat that. So let me give you some of the resistances that Goliath uses to keep Israel in check. Let me read this again. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me, and if he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, then you will become our subjects and serve us. And the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel, Give me a man and let us fight each other. And on hearing these words, Saul and all of Israel were dismayed and terrified. Number one, the first resistance that the enemy often throws at you is a resistance that basically says, don't even bother trying. Don't even bother trying. What you notice is he goes, why do you come out and line up for battle? Why are you even here? You are wasting your time. What are you doing here? You're, you know, you're small, you're pathetic compared to what I am. Don't even bother trying. It's not worth the effort. The odds are stacked against you. It's not even worth you going for it and pushing through. And this is really what he's saying. He's saying, I can defeat all of you. You know, Goliath is that voice in our head that says, don't even bother trying. You haven't been able to break through. He's still stuck in your own ways. He's still stuck in those old habits. You've tried before. Don't even bother trying. It is useless. I am much bigger. I'm much more powerful. I'm much more significant than what you are. Who are you anyway? What have you got to offer? You got nothing. Look at you. You know your brokenness on the inside. You come to church, you look really great, but inside you really know who you are. You know that you failed this week. You know that you disappointed God this week. Don't even bother trying. Don't even believe for breakthrough. Don't even come with a sense of faith 
because you know who you really are. The reality is this, church, it's an effective strategy because many Christians stop at this strategy right there and then because they believe the voice of the giant. And the reality is this, there is no proof that what he is saying is real. There is no proper analysis done to confirm his assessment that the situation is correct. What I find is absolutely hilarious is that King Saul has done no analysis of the situation. We don't see King Saul taking account of his men. We don't see King Saul doing a bit of research on Goliath. We don't see King Saul having at least a couple of conversations of battle strategy to work out how they can actually take this guy out. They immediately hear the voice of the giant and they make the assessment that it's all over even before it has begun. I want to ask you today, as they accepted Goliath's words, what have you accepted according to the word of God that is unacceptable? I failed. God can never forgive me. That is unacceptable. God can forgive you tonight. Saul is anointed. God is with him. I find it hilarious that he's almost forgotten the last few years of his life. It's like God pulls him out of obscurity, anoints him, puts his hand upon him. He is the first king of Israel. He has got a wonderful heritage that God is going to use, but for some reason he forgets it all when he sees Goliath. Many people don't even start at the battle because the enemy says don't even bother. The second one is this. The second resistance is this, is the cost is too great. The cost is too great. Look at what Goliath says. He says, but if I ever come and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. If you get it wrong going to cost you everything if you try and fail then it will completely wipe you out I think when it comes to risk and we begin to think about stepping out of faith we often take the worst possible scenario even before the battle has begun and I guess my question to you tonight is why are you allowing Goliath to actually settle the terms why have you allowed Goliath to actually settle the terms of your freedom. They could have said, you know what, we're not going to accept those terms. You have a win, we may have a win. Let's do a three-day draw. Let's see what actually happens. But the reality is they just accepted what the life was actually saying. We often do this in our life. You know, if I put myself out there for a higher career, you know what, and if I fail, then I'm going to look like an absolute fool. I'm not even going to do it. How about this with the relationships? There are people here tonight, and you are engaged in relationships, and you know that they're not good for you. But you hang on to that relationship because you're too scared that you're not going to find someone actually better that there is a man and woman of God that's actually out there. You're so fearful of loss that you actually hang on to something that may not be God's perfect will for your life. Come on. We go for plan B because we're so scared that we're going to lose out. And this is what I've realized. Doing nothing is something sometimes more costly than actually doing something. Doing nothing is sometimes more costly. Just allowing Goliath a challenge to hold me captive, church, it's costing you something. See, when you allow Goliath to hold you captive, to allow the fear of loss to come in, it's costing your freedom. It's costing your confidence. It's costing my faith. 
It's costing my time. Going around the same mountain again and again and again and again. Dealing with the same issue again and again and again. Having the same arguments again and again and again. It is costing me something. Don't you ever be fooled in life to think doing nothing doesn't cost you anything. When you know that there's a better plan. When you know that there's a better purpose. When you know that God has got a higher call and a higher desire for your life. You just stay where you are because you're so scared of loss. It actually costs you something. There's an eroding away of the faith life that God has called you to live in. It's costing my security in knowing what God has called me to do. You know what it costs Saul? I'll tell you what it costs Saul. It cost Saul an opportunity. It cost Saul a win. It actually cost him an opportunity to rise above the fear and actually be the man of God that God had called him to be. The only reason why David stepped in is because Saul chose to do nothing at all. Who was anointed before David? It was Saul. Saul was the first king. Saul was an anointed. We look back in hindsight now, we go, well, David, we love David. David was awesome. But the reality is Saul was anointed before David and Saul had the opportunity before David. I've got to say this, I never want to be in a place in my life that I've been too scared to move forward because I know that it actually cost me opportunity. It's the second resistance that you and I face when God is challenging us to go to the next level. The third one is this. It's very simply, you haven't got it to push through. You haven't got it to push through. You're pathetic, you're useless, you're nothing. It's the resistance of the personal attack. It's going after you. It's going after your personhood. It's going after your inner man. It's going after your soul. It's going after your security. It's going after who you are on the inside. You ain't got it. And this is really what Goliath was doing to the armies of Israel. Think about it. He has the anointed king of Israel on the battle lines and he is completely going after his kingship. He is trying to destroy the whole hierarchical system of who Israel is actually was. He was ripping the heart of courage out of the entire army. And I would say this, that he was doing a very, very good job of it. And on hearing these words, these guys became fearful and stayed where they are. So the big question here is, why was this so captivating? Why, why was this so, so, was it because he was so big? I think it was a bit more than that. Why was this strategy so effective? How can one man control an entire army. I mean, think about it. Oh, yeah, he was a big guy, but you get a thousand guys after him, good chance he's going to take the guy down. Why was it that one man had captivated the hearts and minds and courage of the Israelite army? The key to this question is in verse 16. It says this in 1 Samuel 17, verse 16, for 40 days, for 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and every evening took his stand. For 40 days, he came every morning, every evening, took his stand. Can I say this? For 40 days, they were listening to the same thing. For 40 days, morning and night. 40 days to wear them down. 40 days to strip their confidence. 
40 days, day and night, to ridicule them. 40 days to block them. 40 days to pay them out. 40 days to challenge their faith. And this is the point, it doesn't happen straight away. The targeted attack on your confidence gets eroded away bit by bit by bit by bit by bit by bit. You know what God has called you to do. You know what God has spoken to your heart about. You want to go to a new level. But you listen to those same voices day after day after day. It just took 40 days. It took six weeks. 40 days, day and night to go after the same thing until they finally capitulated and they had nothing left. And this is the point with David. If we read verse 17 to 32. Now Jesse said to his son David, take this ephah of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of the unit. See how your brothers are and bring them back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of the shepherd. Loaded up, he set out as Jesse had directed him. He reached at the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions. Shouting the war cry, Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of the supplies. He ran to the battle lines and asked his brother how they were going. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. David heard it. David heard it. Listen, David heard it for the first time. They'd been hearing it for six weeks. He'd heard it for the first time. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled in great fear. So David's looking at everything that's going on. Now, the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out at a fight. Can you see how this man keeps coming out? I mean, what a pathetic statement. He keeps coming out and they just refuse to do anything. Right? The king will give his great wealth to the man who kills him. He'll also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. That's good. I like that one. I'd go for that one more than the other one. That's fantastic. <laughs> David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine, removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what, had been, what they had been saying and told him this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Elidab, David's older brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and, and asked, why have you come down here and with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. He came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? It's almost like, don't touch me. Don't look at me. He then turned away into someone else and brought up the same matter, and the men answered as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on this account of this Philistine. Your servant will go out and fight him. Let no one lose heart on the account of this Philistine. Well, it already happened. Your servant will go out and fight him. Why was David different? Yes, he was anointed. You know, we look at all that and God was with him. But think about it. He didn't have 40 days of rubbish that was filled in his head. He came in fresh. God had protected him from hearing the junk. He came in fresh, green, not polluted with history of 40 days. I want to say this tonight. It wasn't even part of my notes. If you want to live a life of victory, you've got to make a decision what goes through your eyes and what goes through your ears. I'm telling you, you wonder why you don't live in victory when you're watching garbage and listening to garbage. It may actually tickle your emotions and may make you feel good about yourself, but in reality, it does nothing for your spirit and brings death to your faith in God. 
you and I, we've got to make a decision what we actually watch and what we actually hear. 40 days of watching garbage, 40 days of listening to garbage, 40 days of allowing the world to seep into our hearts. No wonder why we struggle with sin. No wonder why we struggle with breaking through. No wonder why we struggle and believe in the things of the Holy Spirit. We come into church once on a Sunday or twice on a Sunday. We listen to a guy in a really young hoodie <laughs> yell for about 45 minutes. That ain't going to do nothing if you filled your life with rubbish for the last... 100, 200 hours of your week. Come on. Right. David wasn't living there. David had not heard the 40 days. He came in fresh from the wilderness, walking with God. How do you overcome these resistances? Well, ask yourself, what would you be like if you never heard them in the first place? If like David, you never knew. What would you be like if, like David, you never knew what you couldn't do? What would you be like if you came in fresh into the situation with fresh eyes and realised, actually realised, that God was with you? And David deals with it with one stone's throw. David deals with it with one stone's throw. You You know, spiritual people say God guided the stone. You know, well, the Bible doesn't say that. He was obviously very good at what he did, all right? But always remember this punchline. Always remember this story out of this particular punchline. It's very simply this. Put this up. Goliath is not as tough as what you think he is. He is not as tough as what you think he is. The rhetoric compared to what actually happened was so different between the two. The big scenario that Goliath created versus what actually happened to take him down. I don't even know whether he was a great warrior. I don't even know whether he was as tough as what he said he was. Maybe Goliath had a high-pitched voice. Who knows? (laughs) Come on, David. (laughs) You get the point. Goliath is not as tough as what you think he is. You just need to have a go. Remember what he does? He he takes 40 days to create an image, 40 days to create a narrative, 40 days to create a perception, 40 days to create an environment with fear. David comes and he's not subjected to those 40 days of Goliath forming cultural fear. He comes in fresh and God uses him, fresh, pure, just hearing the voice of him. And he's not hearing the rubbish, he's not hearing the garbage, he's not hearing the enemy, he's just hearing from the voice of God. And the reality is Goliath was not as tough as what they thought he was. It's not as hard, it's not as challenging as what the enemy would want you to believe. Don't allow the history of rhetoric to actually wear you down. Don't allow the 40 days of constant badgering to actually stop you from pushing through. You can help yourself. Stop listening to rubbish. Stop watching rubbish. Stop filling your life with the Word of God. Be on the winning side of breakthrough. Be on the winning side of blessing. Be on the winning side of what God actually wants to do. But you can actually make a decision. You can actually make a decision just not to listen to those things. My challenge to you tonight, I want the musicians to come, is just don't give up too easily. Don't listen so much to the Goliath in your life. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. His mercy is in you every single morning. God can change your mind. He can change your heart. He can wipe the slate clean. He can do a work of boldness to to, to push through. The reality is the apostles, 
in the early days of their ministry, had so many threats against them. They were so scared. And so they prayed for the Holy Spirit to give them boldness. They were in that place as well. There was so much rhetoric. There was so much, you know, exasperation of what was going on. And they prayed and the Holy Spirit gave them boldness. I want to pray for you tonight for maybe the Goliaths that have got you captive. The rhetoric that has frozen your actions. There are people facing problems tonight. You're not giving it your best shot because you're listening to the rhetoric. People, you're frozen in a whirlpool going around the same mountain. And it's hard for you to break through because you're listening to the rhetoric. You're not helping yourself because you're not filling your life with the Word of God. You know, as preachers, we, you know, we'll take a snapshot of a scripture and we'll expound on it. You understand, in my devotional life at home, I read copious amounts of the Word of God. I read copious amounts of the Word of God, right? Last year when I was really getting into, you know, doing the gym and, and so forth, I realized if I want to get it bigger, I had to eat a lot more. And I just started to eat and eat and eat and eat and eat and eat, right? The point is this, if you want to grow bigger in faith, one verse a day is not going to do anything, right? You've got you to read copious amounts of the Word of God. Like chapters, chapters of God's Word. I gotta tell you, when you do that during the day, when you're driving, when you're thinking, when you're at uni, when you're studying, all of a sudden, God brings to your remembrance what He spoke to you about in the morning. Or remember, you remember a phrase in the Word. Or remember, you remember a chapter in the Word. Or remember, all of a sudden, you remember a, 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 an idea in the Word of God. Just one idea in that copious amounts because God's Word is living and active. It is sharper than a double-edged sword. It is so powerful. It's not something that is dead. Every time you read it, you get something new out of it. Every time you read the Word of God, there is something fresh that God speaks to you about. I've got to tell you tonight, church, you've got to be on the right side of breakthrough. You've got to be on the right side of new levels. I want you to have new levels in 2000 and 19. I want you to rise to a higher level in your faith, a higher level in your expectation, a higher level in your desire of what God wants to do in your life. You know what? I'm always going for new levels in my walk with God. And I've realized if I want new levels, I've got to pray. I've got to seek God. I've got to read the Word of God. I've got to fill myself. I want to grab that Bible and just feast on it every single day, get as much of it as I possibly can, even the appendices, even, even the map section. I just want to eat the map section. I just want to get the whole thing and just keep munching on it and chewing on it again and again and again and again and again. What rhetoric have you been listening to? You know, we've dealt with what you watch, but what about in your own heart? What rhetoric have you been listening what, what has actually got you frozen where you refuse or you can't move forward? Can I pray that the Holy Spirit breaks that over your life tonight? The weekend before conference, we got a month of June where I believe the Holy Spirit is going to move very powerfully in our church. Wayne Alcon next week, week after that, Mike Maiden, week after that, Rick Shelton. You know, even his story about his enduring ministry, what God did in his life is nothing but short of profound, right? Um, Mike Maiden, how what he went through in ministry was just unbelievable for God to actually take him out of that, right? Uh, you've seen people that have gone through some of the major Goliaths in their life, right? So we're going to learn, we're going to receive, allow the Holy Spirit to do something. But I believe tonight God is going to set the foundation, right? Just to break the rhetoric, just break the rhetoric. I pray that as you come forward tonight, 
You're going to be like David, fresh and new. Right? Not being worn down by 40 days of rubbish, but fresh and new, ready to receive what God is going to do in your life over the next month. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. To stay up to date, check us out at our website, faithcc.com.au.